So one of the things I was really excited about talking with you about um, was, you know, you just, you prior to the Colorado Trail, you had quite a little weekend at, at Leadville and then um, it's, it's Steamboat, right? Is what it's called. Um, and Kevin was out there and, and had Hudson out there. And um, there was a great shot of, of Hudson doing a bottle exchange. Yeah. Um, and then you did this, you, you wrote this fantastic post um, and you, you used the picture. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the post, but everybody should get on Instagram and look at it because it's a great photo. But you said, we're not all professional athletes, but whether you know it or not, you're a role model for someone. You said, Dr. Sprouse, thanks for bringing your kid along this weekend. He gets the MVP award, not for his amazing bottle hand-up skills, which were above par, but for reminding us that the next generation is watching and that they don't need superheroes. They just need real people to give their best. Thanks for the reminder, Hudson. Hey guys, I'm Anthony Palmer, and this is Wake Dead Drink Repeat. My guest this week is Alex House. Also along for the ride was my friend and Wake Dead Drink Repeat alumni, Dr. Kevin Sprouse. Alex is somewhat new to the dad game, which always makes for a fun conversation on this show. We talked about his journey through fatherhood so far, the pain that is dealing with sick kiddos, and how his perspective about his role in sports, specifically around being a role model and influence, has changed since becoming a dad. It was awesome to sit down with the 2019 U.S. National Road Race Champion and Kevin for the pod this week. As always, if you have thoughts or comments on the show, you can email me at todaysdad at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. Please be sure to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, follow along with us on our social platforms, and while you're at it, share this episode with a fellow dad. So here is this week's episode titled, Could Be Good, Could Be Bad, with Kevin Sprouse and Alex House. And we're joined today by two guests. Uh, in the hot seat, we've got Dad to One, professional cyclist for EF Education Nepo. He's a coach for Team EF Coaching, and he was the 2019 U.S. National Champion, Mr. Alex House. Alex, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, sitting here in Knoxville with me, I've got WDDR alumni and uh, head of medicine for EF Education Pro Cycling Team, and he's the host of the Podium Podcast, Dr. Kevin Sprouse. Kevin, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, good to be here with you guys. Any uh, any chance to chat with and maybe rag on Alex a little bit? Um, I'm in. Yeah, you love that, don't you? Uh, we'll see. If, we'll I mean, see if we can turn the tables on you here at some point, though. Yeah, I'm sure it's not too hard. <laughs> I, I was trying to think. We've worked together for like like 12 years now. Yeah, man. It's uh, a while. Yeah, it's uh, yeah from. From the slums of Uruguay to uh, the world tour, here we are. <laughs> I'm going to have to share that picture. I came across that picture the other day. It's Alex and Lachlan and a couple other guys in Uruguay, like in a campsite, shirtless. There's a stray dog, and the <laughs> team car has a, has a shattered back window because somebody stole the stereo out of it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> where we came from yeah started at the bottom yeah we, we won that stage though jacob rathley won that uh Our, and yeah we yeah. like drank like two two liters of coke so four liters of coke each because wow. the only other one was like uncooked chicken uh yeah and then we got <laughs> and we celebrate celebrated around the bonfire and just got lit up by mosquitoes and didn't sleep because we had a bunch of caffeine and sugar. Uh, and <laughs> it was like, like, you know, when people say literally and they don't mean literally, they mean figuratively. 
it was literally like 110 degrees in the little hut. Oh my god! Little hut that we were trying to sleep. Cement block huts. I mean, this is international cycling. It's it's uh, it's not five star hotels and uh, you know high dining all the time. Uh, I, well, <laughs> I this know, is but it's that fun. was that was under twenty three international cycling. Yeah. It was uh, definitely a shoestring budget and uh, you know a bunch of young kids that were willing to do stupid things, but. It was a good time. And that's, yeah, that was, I think that was the first season that we'd like really worked together. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. We're in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Dragging each other around the world. What, what team were you with then? Uh, or was it just the, it was essentially this, it was the same organization. Um, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, we were sponsored by Chipotle, which was a, a beautiful thing when you're like 22 years old. Oh, this was back then. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. That was, uh, that must, I never thought about that. That must have been some good living right then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Chipotle burritos and a free bike. I mean, you don't need much else when you're, you know, 21, 22. <laughs> it was, we had those all you could eat burrito carts. Oh, yeah. Some, you know, and, and I may not have been a poor cyclist, but I was a poor fellow, uh, doing my fellowship in, in sports medicine and, Unfortunately, we didn't have a, a Chipotle near us, and then oh, I think sucks. one of the riders maybe went a little deep on the free burritos, and it didn't come around next year. <laughs> yeah, again, going with the literally and figuratively thing. He was literally day, which you know, two thousand calories yeah. a pop. You know, you're uh, oof. <laughs> riding it off. Anybody <laughs> wasn't. I mean, that's the problem when that's the problem when somebody says free lifetime. You know, you don't you gotta you gotta put standards on that for people. Yeah. That's right. You gotta, gotta put boundaries up. Yeah. Oh, well, man. So you, uh, there, there's a lot, you've got a, you've got a, a young kiddo, um, at home. And, um, so you're kind of new into the, the realm of the, the fatherhood piece. So you guys definitely added that in, in the mix of COVID, which we've had a couple of folks on the show that <laughs> it's been an inter- interesting journey for them. So, um, I guess maybe we'll we'll dive in and start there. How's how's kind of the cutting teeth on fatherhood journey while well, during a global pandemic been for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's still relatively new. Um she yeah, she's like eight months um as of yesterday. Uh and it is funny when people are like, Oh, how's how's fatherhood? And it's like, Well, I mean, I don't know because I'm so new to it still, you know, <laughs> like like it's like we're just like running around with our freaking hair on fire most of the time um like honestly though she's been like such a good little kid and she's been so easy um up until like last week where we first had our for where we had our like actual introduction into parenthood um yeah she had a fever for like three four days straight like we tried to like climb a 14 or during that which was a awful idea. With her. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's kind of a long story. Like it seemed like it was all good and then it wasn't good. And then the next day, uh, she had like a very high fever and we're like, okay, we're going to yeah. care. We went to urgent care and they were like, Oh yeah, she doesn't have her. O two is like, won't go above 84. And I'm like, what? That's like Ooh. dying old lady level. You know, and then like, turns out it's just because they're trying to use the freaking sensor for adults on a kid, 
and we went to the ER and uh you remember uh did you ever meet Dr. Shannon Sobendahl? Sprouse? Oh yeah, he's great. So we walk in yeah. there, we get in our room, freaking Sobendahl walks in and I'm like, dude, how you doing? You know, and he's like, I'm great. How are you? I'm like, I'm fine. My kid's got an O2 of 84. He's like, what? Yeah, you got to help me. Dude. Uh, anyways, but yeah, it was their sensor was wrong. And I, I called up the urgent care. Uh, I said I went to the bathroom. It's like, am I allowed to swear on this thing? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I called him up. I was like, look. Don't ever fucking do that again, ever. Okay, if you have a li- <laughs> yeah, if you man. have a little kid in urgent care, do not ever fucking put that thing on them, because like, I mean, they wanted to call an ambulance and stuff, and I'm like, no, 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 like she's laughing, like we'll drive her over there. Um, but yeah, it was like total mess and yeah, super pissed. Anyways, killed the whole day doing that, and uh, I don't know, she's she's healthy now and she's happy enough, but she you can tell that. Her system was like, you know, running in the wrong direction for a while there. And she's just like ravenous now. So, I mean, she'll, she'll eat anything you put in front of her. And, you know, if you every like, feels like every 10 minutes, she just like is ripping things off the up and eating that, <laughs> eating that instead. So, but yeah. That's scary, man. That's my, my wife's a, pediatric er doc and i can already hear her dog cussing when she listens to this episode like that's that's a scary moment thinking that like bad shit's oh yeah i mean yeah like like i think yeah you know being a professional athlete like i especially living in altitude as much as i do and spending as much time going up and down like i have a pretty good feeling of like what o2 levels should look like and like what different levels feel like you know and like to see 84 on that sensor I'm, I'm just thinking in my head i'm like oh oh this is bad this is bad 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 you know like we yeah but yeah. what what i love and what doesn't surprise me about you alex is that you took stock of it and were like wait a minute she looks pretty good like she doesn't look like she's on death's door let's, right let's like take a step no 100 percent. i would um, I, yeah i was and a lot of people don't i was pissed because they were like yeah like we might need to call an ambulance i'm like it's five minutes away you know and it's going to take us we if we leave now we'll get there before an ambulance is going to get there you know like we're just going to go um and not deal with another vehicle and probably another bill and everything else that yeah everything that goes along with it you know so it was like no you're wrong and then yeah after getting the other the other reading i I got to call them up and cuss them out and Tell them that they're definitely yeah. wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's harder as a parent. Like when you're when you're put in a situation like that, and your decision is for someone else's well-being versus your own, where we can all be kind of cavalier with our own health and be like, no, 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 I'll walk down there. Like I'll be right. fine. But then you, you got to make the decision for your kid, and it's kind of like, I think this is right, but. God, there's a lot riding on this. It's true. Uh, and it's funny with babies because they're like really stupid and they can't say, they can't say anything, you know, like, like anything. Just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so dumb and you're like, oh my gosh, so, like, this is like harder to make decisions than it would be for like a dog, 
you know, because they're like yeah, they're like yeah. even less competent than a dog in a lot of ways. You're like, oh my gosh, at least well, at least when a dog has like a hurt paw, like lifts its foot up, and it's like, oh my my paw hurts. You know, babies are just like <laughs> something's wrong. I'll make a noise. Like that's all that's all you get. Yeah. Like, oh, dang it, can't. Well, and kids are scary because they they decompensate quickly. Like they'll look fine and they'll look fine. They'll look fine. You kind of know something's wrong and, and like they fall off a cliff in terms of how they're able to, to maintain their vital signs and whatever, when they're really sick. So they'll look okay until they're really not. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a scary part. Whereas the rest, you know, adults kind of have a slow decline. You kind of hit a threshold. You're like, okay, now's the time we need to go get help. That's always one of my favorite, like, and it's not favorite in like a good way, but like, Michelle has told me so many stories out of the ER of like a kid will walk in and be talking and be fine. And she'll like leave for a second and come back. And she'll be like, all of a sudden they were like, the little kid was like blue. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like, shit, you were fine. <laughs> yeah. Now you're blue. What the hell? <laughs> like, uh, so, so if you weren't yeah. nervous about that decision last time, now you will be. Yeah. yeah you definitely will be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. They just, yeah. They don't, yeah. They just don't know anything. They don't see anything coming either. Everything just blindsides mm-hmm. me. No. You know? So, uh, you know, it's like, I, obviously she's not going outside on her own yet, but I just think back to my friend that, you know, I don't think he ever wore a jacket as a child. And he was just like always cold too. You know, he's like, oh, it's so cold out here. I'm yeah. like, Dude, we, we live in Colorado. It's winter. Like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, it's like, do the freaking math. There's, there's a simple solution to this problem. It's called putting a jacket like, on. Oh, but it wasn't, it wasn't cold house yeah dehoy <laughs> anyways uh yeah well, and then the pandemic definitely adds another element to everything but we don't need to talk about the pandemic do we were you guys were you guys stateside when your daughter was born or were you in europe or uh we were, yeah we were stateside when she was born um it was it was definitely tough uh pretty early on because like we were together for right after she was born um I was home for like a month and then, uh, yeah, I had to go over to Europe for almost two months there. So wow, missed the first two months. And that was, I mean, that was hard on all of us in a lot of ways, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Been back more or less since. So it's been good. Yeah. How have you, uh, how have you been recovering since your uh, your attempt on the Colorado Trail? That looked like a fun uh, <laughs> looked like a fun couple days. Oh man, <laughs> like yeah. So it was like well, back up for a second. Sorry to interrupt you, but for people who don't know what it is, like tell talk a little bit about yeah. like what that attempt is and what you were trying so, to do. Like the Colorado Trail, um, it's right around five hundred miles. I think it's like five hundred thirty for the mountain bike. Uh, it's a little little different for the mountain bike versus the uh, actual walking trail because there's like some wilderness areas that you have to ride around versus walk through. Uh, yeah. So it's 530 miles from Denver to Durango or, uh, the other direction. I mean, it's not a one way trail. Um, and yeah, I was like trying to see if, I mean, I didn't think I was going to get it on this round, but I wanted to see if it was like even possible to get the record. Um, and like you sit down, you look at it on paper and you're like, okay, this is, this is pretty messed up, but like, I think it's possible. Uh, but I just, I just like went out there and took a swing and, uh, I, I did very little research on it kind of on purpose. Cause I wanted to sort of 
learn as I went on this round. But yeah, I think I rode, I rode like just about 70 hours out of 78 hours. Um, so, you know, I feel like dad life was a great training for that. Um, so I, I slept like <laughs> just under nine hours, uh, in total over the three days, uh, and just pedaled a lot and walked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty messed up. I mean, at one point I like ran out of food, uh, and had like no resupply, uh, until I got the lead bill. And it was like, I slept for like four hours and then rode for like nine and a half hours, just like totally on an empty stomach. Just like, Ooh, I think, I think we're losing weight here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, did, I definitely, yeah, definitely I was... lost a bit of weight. I was actually having Kevin and I were having coffee um, while you were doing that. And I was, la I was laughing with him. I said, I was on Instagram this morning before I got here and Alex put a video up on Instagram. I was like, I've got one bar and I've got two passes to get over <laughs> Ricky mistake. <Yeah. laughs> oh man. That's good. And I, I rode for like, it was like 30 something hours, like before that with like a little hour cat nap in there. Um, and then, yeah, just like hit, Insane. hit that spot. And I was like, Oh, like I, I realized pretty late, like halfway up this pass, I was like, Oh, everything in Copper Mountain is going to close. And like, if I'm still going to have a shot at the record, I'm just going to have to like nap this off and just like push through. Um, which I mean, it was definitely the faster way to go, but I think it, I definitely paid for that one. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, like I think if I didn't, if I'd nailed that better, I probably would have gone like six hours faster. So anyways, I think the record's possible, but it's going to be like, you gotta be pretty dumb and pretty tough to do it. <laughs> so that. if you like with, with stuff like that, or even the tour de France or, you know, lead boat or like some of these big endurance events that, um, are, uh, how do I put this <laughs> of questionable benefit to your health? <laughs> Not really questionable, but <laughs> you know, it definitely have a, a downside as well and a potential danger, right? If in 20 years, Dahlia comes to you and is like, Hey dad, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, I want to do this. How do you think you approach that? Because I have that, I mean, you know my kids. And and definitely with my older son and probably my youngest, those types of things will be conversations. And it's a I always have this thought in my head, like for me, I'd be gung ho, like let's you know, there, there's less concern over well being. <laughs> and then you look at your kid and you're like, uh, I know I did that, but I don't know if that's something you I want you doing. You you talked about that on our episode because Hudson had, was Hudson that broke his collarbone, right? Yeah. And you were saying when you were here with us, like how he was up riding his bike a couple days later and you're like, dude, you, if it breaks, breaks, like right, we're in trouble. <laughs> if it and, comes through the same, yeah. but you were like, you yeah, I would have been out riding. Like, <laughs> for sure. For sure. But it's a hard, hard thing to see your kids doing that or to think about them. Doing yeah. That. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess it's hard for me to wrap my head around just yet because like, she hasn't even figured out how to crawl forwards. 
like right. she she can like <laughs> she like she she can push herself backwards, which she did the other day, and managed to like push herself underneath the couch. Uh, and I like I I wasn't watching her, and then it was like I was like, oh oh shit, like where the fuck's the baby? Like <laughs> like, I, like I didn't know she was mobile. Like where the hell is she? Like, like oh no. Uh, and then like, look, I'm like, like either somebody came in and took her or she figured out how to move somewhere. And then, uh, yeah, she was like under the couch and she was just like in this cave and she's kind of like tripping out down there. She's like, Whoa, this is crazy. Like, uh, which is why I couldn't find her. Cause she wasn't making any noise. Um, but yeah, the idea of her, like trying to do something like Colorado trail just yet is, uh, not quite in my mind, but I, I will say that, um, I don't know, like, I, there's just so many extreme people in the world and you just see what people can do. Um, and it, yeah, I guess everybody sort of has to start somewhere, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I hope under the couch, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope doll's pretty sure, sure footed, you know, because like, I feel like I had a lot of freedom as a kid and I got to do a lot of, a lot of things that a lot of other kids, you know, their parents saw them doing and they're like, no, you're not doing that. You're going to biff it. You know, and my parents were just kind of like, well, he looks okay. <laughs> looks, yeah. looks like he's got it. You know, like I always, you know, remember people telling me like, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing, you know, focus on what you're doing. Um, so if you can kind of keep that going, but I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully she sends it pretty hard. So, yeah, I think too, I, I wonder about, um, kids who grew up probably in families like all of ours, but you know, specifically maybe more for you, Alex, like I me, mean, you were just talking about taking your daughter up a 14 er you know, when she had a fever. Like, I mean, it's, I think that exposure at a young age, like I, I'm very curious, like how much that really like takes over as they grow older, you know, like, because you grow up doing those things, you see yeah. this, it becomes so normalized, which is a great thing. It should be normalized, but yeah. it's like, it almost becomes a, it, truly a part of their identity or they totally bucket and they're like, this is stupid. I hate being outside all the time. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I like, <laughs> I, I like video games. I like video games. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, her fever broke the morning we left. I was like, okay, yeah, she's good. Right. I thought it was one of the, I thought oh, it was one yeah. of those like kid things where you're like, they're like sick for like 10 hours, you know, and then they're like, not anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, and then she proved us otherwise. Uh, that's one of those things too. You learn, I think on the parenting journey is like that Motrin is like a game changer for kids, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you yeah. give them one dose of like ibuprofen and they're like, poof, like, ready to go for sure. I'm like, I wish Advil did that for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need 10 of them for it to do oh. that for me at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all mental, you know, just cause they don't know. They don't know at all. They just know how they feel sort of in the in moment. moment. Yeah. yeah. They, they, like, they just kind of forget about the fact that they were like sweating buckets 45 seconds before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, so the exposure piece in terms of like what you, what you show your kids, what you um, kind of take them through experientially and then what you just let them do is, is a really massive influence on kids as they grow up, no matter how, like either, either end of the spectrum you end up 
on as a parent. And I mean, I think, yeah, I, I tend to at least try to be much more of the, of the parenting style of like, okay, well, I don't think it's going to kill you. So go try it and let's see what happens. You know? <laughs> and I mean, nothing, not like the Colorado trail. My kids are younger, but more, you know, he wants to go, uh, you know, down the black diamond mountain bike descent right. at age seven. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's like, I, I can actually, well, let's see. And he ends up deep in the woods and like, you know, <laughs> flying over the top of his bike. Um, but he was fine for it. Right. So, but that type of thing, that exposure, I think is really important in building some confidence and some, uh, like a, like a, a willingness to step out a bit yeah. and, and to find, find that edge. Um, but it's tough as a parent. And I mean, I know your parents, so I can appreciate what you're saying. And I remember your dad, even, uh, 10 and a half years ago with my 11 year old sitting on the couch and moving his legs, like he's pedaling, <laughs> he's going, we got to get him on a bike. We got to get him on a bike. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think, I think there's a lot in that approach to parenting. Like it's, it's probably easier to be the safety parent and be like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Um, you know, make sure that you have this safety apparatus as opposed to just saying, that's awesome. Go do it. Let, yeah. You know, let me know how it goes. Yeah. Think about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be an idiot. Focus. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot like in a very small example of it. So my daughter, um, I've got a, my, my daughter's 10, Alex, and my, my little dude is three. And, um, Anderson started doing the little Bella's mountain biking program here in Knoxville, um, a couple weeks ago. And it's been, she's been like four times, four or five times now, I think. And it's not been like, it hasn't been like the most happy feeling leaving it the last couple of times. Like she's, <laughs> she, she's definitely like hit the struggle bus on it. Like the trail wigs are out a little bit, but she was excited about signing up for it. And it's, we've been having a lot of conversations around like just every week, just try to get a little more comfortable on the bike. Like, they're not going to put you on something that you can't handle. Like you just got to kind of, and last week we had this whole conversation around like endurance, which for a 10 year old is whatever it is, but it's don't stop. Yeah. yeah. Don't quit. Yeah. And she was like, well, I'm tired. I was tired. So I didn't do the last lap with the group. And I was like, okay, like that's fine. But do you think you could have pushed like a little bit more? And she's like, well, I felt bad that I didn't do it. Like, I wish I would have just done it. I said, okay. So we were driving down there last night and I said, if you get that like tired feeling, maybe just try to give like that little bit more and see what happens. And I came to pick her up last night and her and her instructor came up and we're like high-fiving each other, high-fiving me. And they're like, this was the best session she did. She totally like biffed it off the bike. She got <laughs> back up. She had a couple tears roll down her face, but like kept rolling. There was no complaining about being tired. Like, and, and Anderson was on like a high last night in the car on the way home. Just like how stoked she was for herself that she, pushed and did it and knew she could do it. And I'm like, that's cool. Like you, you had that space to complain about it, to explore, to figure it out. And you did it like, and that's, those are those building blocks that like, yeah, that was nice. And I didn't even have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even the person making it out. Sweet. I'll take that win all day long. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to like, the more you do, the more you can't do, you know? Yeah. So just keep, keep building on that. So, one of the things I was really excited about talking with you about um, was, you know, you just, you prior to the Colorado trail, you had quite a little weekend 
at Leadville and then um, it's it's Steamboat, right? Is mm-hmm. what it's called. Um, and Kevin was out there and and had Hudson out there and um, there was a great shot of of Hudson doing a bottle exchange. Yeah. Um, and then you did this. You you wrote this fantastic post um, and you, you used the picture. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read the post, but everybody should get on Instagram and look at it because it's a great photo. But you said. We're not all professional athletes, but whether you know it or not, you're a role model for someone. He said, Dr. Sprouse, thanks for bringing your kid along this weekend. He gets the MVP award, not for his amazing bottle hand-up skills, which were above par, but for reminding us that the next generation is watching and that they don't need superheroes. They just need real people to give their best. Thanks for the reminder, Hudson. And man, that was like so cool. I mean, I saw that and I, I screenshotted it and sent it to Kevin and was like, Dude, that was fucking cool <laughs> to just read that. Like, what a humble, like, thing to say, especially as somebody, you know, who's achieved as much as, as you have in the sport to be able to kind of look down at that. And um, so, one, I wanted to just, not that you need me to, but I wanted to thank you for writing that post because I, 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 it's really cool to see people kind of higher up the chain pass that message down. It's it's such an important thing. Um but it, it led me to kind of thinking about maybe how your perspective on the idea of like a role model or your role in the sport, maybe how that's changed since you've become a dad. Have you, has that been a thought that's maybe rolled through your head at all? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say, I wouldn't say it's like changed since I've been a dad, but like definitely been highlighted a bit. Um, you know, it's like so much of what we do as professional athletes, like is for the, fans in a lot of ways you know it's like we want to you know you want to do good so that other people like in order to kind of inspire other people i mean inspiration is sort of you know what being an athlete's all about on a lot of levels um i mean yeah there's the kind of more selfish motives of you know you want to win the race because you want to win the race but um you know really like the be- the most joy you get from winning is you know comes from you know, seeing other people sort of see what's possible, um, you know, kind of believe in what they can do as well. Um, and you know, as the, as the years have kind of gone by, like, it's not always easy to stay, you know, super motivated and like full eye on the prize, you know, eye of the tiger all the time. Um, cause it's a hard sport and, you know, statistically speaking, yeah. like, you know, you line up with 180 people, you know, it's not, it's not a 50, 50 shot. Like most sports when it comes to winning, you know, the odds are low that you're going to win. They're super low. And you just spend a lot of time getting, getting beat down. And, um, you know, having Hudson around that weekend was, was great. Cause at Leadville, I just like totally got my ass kicked. Um, and I came into it thinking I was, I was, you know, going to be on the podium thinking I could, probably win Leadville and I think I was like 17th or something uh I just got absolutely roasted um you know but like Hudson didn't care you know he's like he's like you think you're gonna win tomorrow you know it's like I think you can I think you can win tomorrow it's like you know what man I don't know but you think I can so I want to give it hell you know, it's like, you know, not for me, but for, you know, for you and for everybody else that thinks I can, you know, it's like, let's see what's in there. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it everything I got, man. Like hundred percent. Thanks for the bottle. Let's do this. 
That's awesome. And I think, I mean, it, it, it hit home to him that way too. In talking to him after the race and going home on our, on our trip home, like he even like at the start of steamboat, I was like, all right, who do you think is going to win? He's like, Oh, Alex, like <laughs> hands down. And you know, knowing how you felt the day before and what a struggle it was. And like you said, just to be able to, to like not lose, not even faith. I mean, it's not, it's not like they're expecting you to win all the time. Like, Oh, I know, you know, he'll go out there and give it his best. And I think he's probably better than all these guys. Um, so that, that lesson I think is a really, a really important one to be able to, to pass along and, and even just the effort, you know, had you finished 17th again, but like come across the line nearly puking, like, like you definitely would have, you know, like given it your all in other words, um, like that's just as important a lesson. And it's great to see that passed along because I can tell him that all day till I'm blue in the face, but it doesn't mean a thing right. um, but coming from you guys. It's, it's huge. But I think that's like, as an athlete, that's probably, you know, our most important role, you know, is to, as I say, to kind of show people what's possible and, you know, help others sort of hopefully believe in themselves, um, in, in whatever way, you know, we can help. Like, I mean, obviously there's only so much we can do as people that pedal bikes for a living, but, you know, like, I think inspiration is probably a, <laughs> uh, you know, probably more valuable than, you know, just pedaling fast. But I think it goes a step further when you, when you put words to it. Right. So like there's a difference between like, I don't know, let's, let's take it out of the spike, the cycling realm for a minute. But like, you know, if you're growing up in the nineties and you're watching Michael Jordan play and like, Oh, well, Michael Jordan's my idol. Cause he's the best basketball player there is. Right. Like there's a difference when that then gets filtered down into actually kind of recognizing your position and being able to speak to everyone like, like in that post, I mean, being able to recognize Hudson being there, you having Hudson out there, like being up again to the experience piece that we were talking about earlier, like that's cool as hell experience for Hudson on so many levels yeah. to be there and, and, and be a part of that. But to, to then have somebody speaking to that, I think is really, it, it takes that. Well, somebody, somebody who's consciously aware of that. Right. Thank and that, that's, that's what I think is really important because, um, and that's what I've, I've loved about cycling, working in cycling and, you know, having worked in a, a, a handful of different sports, it's not always present that the athletes are, um, they're humble, they're aware, they're, uh, uh I think it comes with a recognition that your sport is one that lots of people do. You know, when you line up at Steamboat, there are a lot of guys like me who are old and just maybe trying to finish. You know, <laughs> like that'll be the win. Um, but they're doing it on the same playing field. So, you know, there's not many and there's kids. There was a nine year old that raced the 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 thirty, I don't know, thirty five mile yeah. steamboat. So you've got this huge swath of of people. Whereas you go to an NBA game and there may be a handful of guys who play pickup ball on the weekend or something, but it's a totally different experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, so you've really got kind of a direct line to them in a, in a privileged way, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I think cycling, you know, even more broadly is we're, we're pretty exposed just in general. 
uh, relative to other professional sports. You know, like we train on open roads. Uh, you know, you have random people coming up all the time, you know, wanting to, you know, ride with us. Hey, man, can I tag along for a bit? You know, it's like you don't get that in the NBA, you know, like, and then. Yeah, you don't go play a pickup game with LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> right? you know, like... and when we do the races, definitely pre-COVID, it's like, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of people on the side of the road, you know, standing there cheering for you, patting on your back, spitting in your face, doing all that stuff. Like, I mean, it's, we're like right there with people. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to ignore the fact that, you know, people are watching what you do, you know, for better or for worse, you know, and it's better if you can make that for better. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I, I just thought it was really cool that you, um, the recognition of that and, and, um, and then just you in turn being able to take kind of a lesson from, from seeing him out there. So, you know, it, it played both ways. So, um, it was, it was a really cool thing to, to see you right and, and put up there. Um, so kind of along those lines, something that you're, is, is kind of new to you as well as this, this team EF coaching thing you guys are doing. Um, again, you talk about the, the being open and kind of accessibility piece. Talk, talk a little bit about, um, about that and your, your kind of your new role as a, as a coach. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like, I basically started up like last week, right when Dolly got sick. Uh, and I was like still trying to train and do everything. And, uh, I've been burning the candle on like five different ends, pretty hot for this last, uh, last bit here but um no i'm excited about it and yeah again it kind of goes toward back towards um you know just having more people in the sport and inspiring people as we go along and um i've really enjoyed you know these last couple years with the gravel racing and the mountain bike racing and like you know doing these races that are more that have you know more community involvement and like more involvement from from fans and stuff and so coaching was kind of a natural extension of that. Um, like I'm still going to be racing next year, I think. Um, so it's going to be like, it's going to be like kind of a a weird balance, uh, not a weird balance, but, um, definitely have a bit more of a schedule going, uh, on all fronts, but, uh, something I'm pretty excited about. And, uh, so far I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's been a lot of work, like trying to get, onboarded with all the software and you know trying to make my sort of coaching style if you want to call it that even though it's like a week old uh fit with you know this sort of ef program and um get that all lined up but the actual coaching part i think is uh, i mean to me it's already pretty rewarding and, and pretty exciting and fun um you know i just like seeing people do better uh and to be yeah. a part of that is uh it's pretty fun. That's a really cool thing you guys are doing. I think it's it's so good for the it's so good for the sport. Um and as a longtime fan of the sport, it's great to see. But I, I think even beyond just that piece of it, seeing you guys like you and, and Lachlan and, and so many others doing all the gravel and mountain bike stuff, it just and really kind of breaking down the barriers around the sport at times. It's it's been really cool watching all of that over the last couple of years evolve more and more. Yeah, I mean, like I say, like pro cycling is pretty, uh, I mean, by nature, it's like kind of right there 
with the fans, but it there's like a weird separation between the fans and pro cycling. And I think that like what we've done in the last couple of years here is like really tried to embrace, you know, that, that closer relationship between the professional athlete and the, you know, the amateur athlete and the fan. Um, yeah. You know, like you can either go like the NFL direction and try and make it like even more pro and, you know, even more separation between, between the fan and the pro athlete, or you can, you know, flip the script and go the other direction. And it's like, all right, <laughs> we're all together. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think that was the right play, you know? So hopefully. Yeah. seems like it's going well. People seem happy about it. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. Um, I have another bike related question. And then if, if you have anything else, you can chime in or we can head towards the rapid fire. But, yeah. um, so I was laughing the other day, you had that video up on Instagram of you had, you had your daughter in the trailer, the pool behind trailer, and you were kind of cruising around <laughs> on some features. I bought, have you guys seen that kids ride shotgun set up yet? No. Yeah. 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 I'll have to show you before you leave. So it's, it's for like the mountain bikes and it's, it's a saddle that sits in front of you on your top tube. And then the kids get a little handlebar on top of your, your handlebar. And it's for kids like two to five. <laughs> and uh, so I bought one for Oliver. Cause I'm like, nice. it's perfect. Like we'll go ride around. Anderson can ride next to us and whatever it is. And I granted, like I'm not claiming that I'm the best bike handler in the world. And you guys probably kick my ass with it, but like, that's a bitch putting <laughs> an extra 40 pounds over your top tube in front of you and trying to stop and get off the bike. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really stoked about it, but I'm like, this is going to take some greenway riding before I go get out on the trail with them. And like, it's a good thing your wife's a pediatric ER doctor. Yeah. She was not happy. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was not super happy about it, but it's wicked cool. I got, and I love the, again, the exposure piece, what we were talking about. Like, I just love the opportunity of getting your kid out yeah. with you like that. And they're up front and getting to see it, you know, like totally. Yeah. It's pretty rad. I think it's like it's probably a way better experience for the kid. Um and we like actually might translate into some sort of, you know, cycling functional cycling like, slash coordination abilities um yeah. later on. Um and probably better probably better for you. Although I do hear that like you got to ride kind of kind of bow-legged keep those knees out <laughs> yeah yeah you do a little bit you do you definitely do a little bit but it, it's also like and I, I may just be making this up in my head to justify it but like i almost feel like it's a little safer because you've at least kind of got them in your like cockpit yeah. you know like yeah versus like the old school like plastic seats behind you you know where like if you fall there's no like yeah. protecting them in any way but um I've got just this, like, we live in the bottom of a cul-de-sac that's on a pretty good hill. And I was I was climbing up the hill with him, and I started coming down, and he was getting a little squirrely. And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Think about what you're doing, <laughs> gonna buddy. Going to have to. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> focus. Oh, man. Focus, focus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those ones on the back of the seat, too. Like, yeah, I don't really see the, the appeal in having my kid just, like, staring at my sweaty butt crack. Um, we're out for a ride. Right. You know, I don't I don't yeah. think they see the appeal either, but uh, no. And God, they would be soaked. There's so much sweat flying on their <laughs> that would, would, that'd be hell. Yeah. That'd be one of those things your kids would definitely grow to hate you. Oh over. yeah, for sure. For sure. You wanna you wanna turn them off turn them off of bikes for their, their whole life. Put them back there. Yeah. No, she's been loving the little trailer. We need to get her out some more. It's a little bumpy out here, unfortunately, but 
Yeah. I don't know. Which one with suspension? Yeah, I mean, they probably make them. Well, they don't make any. I think we've got a Thule one that has a little bit of. Yeah, this one's got a little couple of leaf springs in it, but I don't know. There's got to be a market for like hotted up strollers and like, you know, tricked out, tricked out trailers and stuff, you know, like proper suspension in those things. Like you'd think, but. Yeah. There is a market and the the epicenter is bold. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's. Yeah, but I, yeah, I haven't found anything. Not that I would run out there and spend fifteen hundred dollars on a you know hotted up stroller, but yeah. you know, it'd be nice to have better suspension than a couple of dinky leaf springs. So yeah. I mean, that, that's what they use to you know cross the continent on the Oregon Trail. You know, right. <laughs> like, like you think you get it? Not a lot of technological advance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like a you know a buggy with a sunshade on it. Yeah. It's, so <laughs> throw some blankets in there. They got a five point harness in it. It's fine. Right. Like, I mean, they're not, Oh yeah. They're technically they're going to be. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, she might lose, cut. No worse. Might lose work. a couple of points on the SAP, but yeah, should, should be, a, should be okay <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have anything else you want to ask or add in before we, we move to the rapid fire? Um, actually, yeah. One thing, uh, and cause this is a conversation I end up having with athletes and had this week with an athlete in a different sport is for professional athletes. And you know, this well, there is an element of required selfishness that has to kind of come into play for success. And I don't mean that in like a bad way, but like there are certain times you've got to just take care of number one to be able to perform, you know, heading into a race or whatever how have you found that harder to deal with or like as a dad, is that harder to deal with or do you just have to be a bit more intentional in planning uh, how you kind of roll into those periods of training and, and peaking, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I mean both. Uh, you have to be a lot more intentional with planning and, you know, a little more keep an eye on that schedule a little bit more and, uh, you know, really protect the various minutes and hours within your day, uh, to try and try and get things done and get them done efficient, efficiently and correctly. Um, and then there's also like, you know, like when you're going to be in the ER for the whole day, like sometimes, sometimes (laughs) shit just goes sideways. (laughs) uh and that yeah you gotta give yourself a little grace at times oh yeah for sure and i honestly i feel like my personality leans more to the like okay it'll work itself out it's okay you know like i I, yeah i wouldn't classify myself as super type a like i don't i don't sweat the small stuff um and i've definitely had to let go of more things than i would like to uh at sometimes um but it is good because it's also kicked me in the butt to be a little more focused on the schedule and, uh, you know, a little more, put a little more planning into things, um, which has honestly benefited me in a lot of ways. Um, so it's a give and take. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have, you know, another human shit all over you and you're like, uh, you're like, all right, well, I, I have, and the schedule changes. Yeah. You're like, I have two and a half hours to get this ride in and I wish I had four and a half, but I have two and a half. So I'm just going to go with the shit on me and 
say la vie. When I get home, I'm going to have nothing to eat. <laughs> right and we'll now. just see how this goes. And we'll just call it training for Colorado Trail. Because <laughs> it's funny. And, and I probably didn't, I didn't even really think to get into it because it's been funny with most of the cyclists we've had on the show. Every, every single one has talked about that kind of selfishness bubble popping um, when they became dad. I mean, Vandeville talked about it. Lawson talked about it. Like cycling, especially is such a, I mean, we were, I was just talking about it with, with Brent Bookwalter too. Like you're so focused on every component of your day, right? Your recovery, what you eat, what you're eating for the next day, not hammering your legs too much after you just get done with a ride, like all of that stuff. And there, there's a lot of that just, you just have to adapt and figure out like it goes by the wayside. Right. (laughs) um, But again, I think it's a great, it's a great example. It's a great kind of um, influence when you take weekend warriors like us who have jobs too and are trying to train and whatever. And it's like, all right, well, it's cool to see that person grinding it out. And I know that they've got a newborn and are sorting it out. Like I can do it too. Like it's a great, it's, it's a nice, uh, It's nice to know you're not alone in that, right? Well, I'd, I'd suspect, and Alex, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd suspect the realization comes that there's some percentage of those things that were considered to be necessary for performance that when you can no longer do them, you realize, wait a minute, they weren't necessary. Or you can you can kind of fold them in in different ways. And um, I would think as a coach, that's probably something that you can bring um yeah, to your, to your clients. And I mean, also in parenting too, to your kids, just to understand that sometimes we focus on things that we give a bit too much weight to. And when, when you're forced to reweight those things, you realize, uh, okay, maybe, maybe there's another way to do it. This is still successful. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And like in cycling, we, you know, I've, I've spent so much time trying to like close the gap on that, like last, like one, 2%, you know? Um, and, you also like I've kind of come to realize like man 98% is really good <laughs> you know yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> like if I can get to 98% um and then try and close that last one or two when I'm like at a training camp or you know like the week or two weeks before a race um you know we can be at 100% versus trying to be like 100% all the time you know and you know, I, I definitely have an advantage being up at altitude in some ways because I feel like uh, a lot of times when you're living at 8,500 feet, less is more, you know, when it comes to training. Yeah. Like it, it's a really fine line there um, between, you know, flying and totally overcooking it. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, at, at the same time, it's like people are like, oh, you know, that's, got to be hard being a professional athlete and a dad and whatever and it's like yeah but it's also my job you know it's like right you know yeah I, I most people that i know you know like oh yeah i'm a dad i also have a full-time job you know like i right i train hard um and you know i coach a couple athletes and i i have some other stuff going on but like honestly like it's not like i'm working 80 hours a week you know, it's like, I'm not riding my bike yeah, 80 yeah. hours a week unless I'm doing the Colorado trail, but you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, there's, there's time in the day and you know, if you can 
sort of adjust and focus um yeah you can get pretty much everything done um and hopefully you know spend a little time with the little one and it's good perspective for sure yeah i like that um all right well we'll we'll jump into our, our our not so rapid rapid fire here so first question what is your drink of choice uh, my drink of choice. Um, if we're going, I mean, I've I drink way too much coffee these days. Uh, but uh, yeah, if we're going alcoholic, um, we put a lot of whiskey sours down during quarantine. Mostly because there's. Do you, do you have a favorite whiskey? Um, I mean, probably Bear Creek, run by a buddy of mine here in uh, Denver, and. Uh, yeah, they, they crank out some great stuff. Nice. That's cool. Um what are you listening to? What's on the what's on the playlist? Um uh, been listening to a lot of Coulter Wall lately. Um yeah, he's been uh making the time in the garage trying to put mountain bikes together. Uh a lot more a lot more satisfying. Do you listen to music while you, while you train and ride much? Or uh, kinda... Generally, no. Um, I'll listen to music and podcast a bit during the winter months when it's, you know, doing longer miles solo. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I like, to, I like to hear what's going on around me for the most part. What is the most important lesson that you learned from your dad? <clears throat> um, you know, I think like... He, he, he's always kind of had this saying like could be good could be bad and it's like it kind of just boils down to like don't assume anything you know like don't assume that like just because x happened that y is going to happen um you know don't assume that because you know you feel one way or another that you know a certain situation is going to play out the way you think it will or or won't play out the way you want it to um you know, and I, I think a lot of like anxiety in our life just comes down to, you know, for trying to forecast the future and assuming, you know, this is going to happen if I do this and that's going to happen if I do that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, there's a lot you can't control. Um, and things come at you pretty quick in life a lot of times. And um, a lot of it just comes down to go with the flow, make the best choice you can when you, you know, when you have the opportunity to make a choice and uh, see where it pans out. Sage advice from Joel Howell. That's right. I like that. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, last last question to you here. What's, what's a trait of yours that you hope your daughter inherits? Uh, mostly my good looks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my beautiful beard, you know. Your, your ability to hide <laughs> under the couch. <laughs> um, whew, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think hopefully just like my attitude on life. Um, you know, I, I enjoy life and I like, you know, kind of think of it as a, as a fun ride and I try not to get too wound up on, on the, you know, the details of, of a lot of things and, you know, just sort of try and see where it all takes me and enjoy it as it goes. Um, so hopefully she has a, you know, a positive outlook for uh, whatever she ends up doing. 
Um, well, Alex House, man, thanks for thanks for joining us on the pod. Kevin, thanks for hanging out. This was fun. Uh, fun having both you guys here this week. Um, Alex, why don't you tell everyone, um, you know, where to find you on social, how, how to look into the EF coaching if they're interested in it, uh, all that good jazz. Um, yeah, you can find me uh, the gram on the Twitter, uh, Alex underscore House H O W E S. Um, it's not required following for anybody listening. You don't have to. Uh, and then, yeah, <laughs> coaching. We're uh, we're at teamefcoaching.com. So you can uh, request me as a coach, but I make no promises. Uh, but we have a lot of other awesome coaches on there. Um, so a lot of people will tell you what to do with your biking life if you want it. Well, people, uh, anybody interested in that, we'll have, uh, we'll have all the links for that in our uh, show notes and on our website at wakededrinkrepeat.com. Um, thank you, uh, everybody, for being a part of this Wake Dead Drink Repeat community. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. And uh, as always, remember to wake, dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. I'm going to sign up for some coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Wake Dead Drink Repeat is part of the Palm Tree Podco Network of Podcasts. The show is produced and edited by me, Anthony Palmer. Thanks for tuning in.